Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. Data is everything, even in Hollywood. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. One of my favorite shows growing up was the NBC sitcom Cheers, which featured a washed up baseball player turned bartender, a spunky waitress, and all the regulars who hung out at the bar. Good afternoon, everybody. No! Hey, Norm, how's the world been treating you? Like a baby treats a diaper. By the end of its 11-season run in 1993, Cheers was getting 26 million viewers a week. Back then, we knew a lot about how our favorite shows performed, but that kind of information from streamers is harder to come by now. It was a sticking point in the recent five-month writer's strike. WGA members have until next week to ratify a new contract with studios, which includes access to data like total hours streamed. But even that metric isn't enough, says Brandon Katz, strategist at Parrot Analytics, who explained why data matters so much. In general, transparency in terms of performance measurement is so important to creators because it gives them real-time understanding of how their show is or isn't succeeding and with whom or who it's not resonating with. It allows them to make tweaks as the show continues to develop in order to potentially grow its audience after identifying its core audience. And from a financial standpoint, it gives them a vested interest in the show's performance. So one thing that the streaming era has brought about, kind of the Netflix model that really started when Netflix got into original programming, is buying out the back end of shows and movies. And that meant essentially paying more upfront money and raising the floor of a project because each project was considered like a moderate to solid hit. And lowering the ceilings for those, you know, once in a while, true blue breakout smash home runs. And the reason why that was a little bit challenging was because, one, as we've seen, big, huge hits like your Stranger Things, your Mandalorians, they aren't generating necessarily as much money as long tail 
of compensation as a traditional linear hit would have back in the day. And two, when the incentives of the studio and the creative are aligned and everybody profits and is rewarded off of success, it usually guarantees the hardest work possible, the most commitment possible. So it's nice that we are kind of moving back towards a model in the streaming era that aligns all of those incentives and gets everybody working towards the same goal at the same level. If we were talking in, let's say, 1985, <laughs> what, would the, what would the model have looked like then? Yeah, so something like a, a Cheers from that era, long-running sitcom that the cast and, and, and main creators are getting a lot of money, you know, uh, through renegotiations as the show keeps getting renewed. And then once a show typically back in the day hit syndication, it was about around 100 episodes. It was allowed to really generate tons of revenue by being licensed to other uh, networks. So, you know, you often saw like a Seinfeld reruns on TBS, on basic cable. Uh, you see them now today as a linear hit, has sales for a massive package. It's streaming broadcast rights globally. So there were multiple windows of monetization in which cast crew and even the owners of the content could really cash in. Today, again, like you think about it, like those shows I mentioned, it's, you know, Stranger Things, Mandalorian, even a smaller show like a Grace and Frankie, those are only staying on one platform and they're never going anywhere else. So we have eliminated ways to generate more revenue and get more long tail tail value out of a project because it just stays stable, static on the digital shelves of one location, never moving, and unfortunately gathering digital dust and cobwebs when it really could be monetized in multitude of different ways. Now, it seems like the main data point that has gotten a lot of attention is total hours streamed. Is that right? Yes. But the issue is that Raw viewership is an incomplete metric. It doesn't help create apples to apples comparisons. And it's contingent on, you know, the respective subscriber bases of different streamers, the length of episodes, the number of episodes. It's an incomplete picture of performance. And it behooves the studios to continue telling that incomplete picture because it gives them more power over the narrative that they sell to Wall Street, the narrative that they sell to consumers, and helps them protect the publicization of shows that don't generate a lot of viewership because the hit rate in this streaming era in which we are making, you know, 600 scripted shows uh, a year in America is not so great always. What are the other metrics outside of total hours streamed that are potentially valuable? Are we talking about unique viewers? Are we talking about completion rates? Yeah, I would throw unique viewers and completion rates into the mix of really important metrics. And I think what's a little frustrating about the industry adopting estimated completed views, which is total hours viewed divided by total running time. And that's created an estimated complete views, which uh, Netflix has touted in its public uh, uh, transparency efforts, which Disney Plus has recently begun saying. What's frustrating about that is these services actually have the unique account views that have completed the title. And so they're choosing to give us a less insightful metric because, again, it, it helps them control the narrative. But like I mentioned, in addition to that acquisition, is this title helping drive new subscriber sign-up growth? Uh, engagement, is this keeping a user within a digital ecosystem for longer? Retention, is this grabbing the attention of high-risk subscribers? Uh, decay rates, uh, affinity, 
uh, you know, audience demographics, future content licensing ability in terms of valuation by platform. Total hours just doesn't reveal much insight about customer behavior and the life cycle of a viewer. And all of these other metrics that we're talking about really are the foundational focus of exactly that. Mm -hmm. Now, you were on our show last year talking about Netflix's new ad tier, and you said then that that was going to be a big deal because it was going to require the streaming giant to hand over viewership data to advertisers. As you said at the time, uh, you you thought that was going to benefit writers when it was time to strike a deal on pay. Do you feel like that holds true now, a year later, and a new contract later? I do feel that way, because in this uh, agreement that the writers just struck, they did establish minimums and significantly improve residuals for product made for Avon, advertising video on demand. Uh, so although this applies to kind of any new medium product above a certain budget level, hence why they keep touting high budget streaming originals, whatever that may be, uh, this does help them at least move forward with a greater expectation of compensation and protections. Uh, so something like, you know, an original concept even made for fast, like Tubi or Amazon Freebie, they're also included in the new provision. So we're seeing a trickle down effect. You know, it's not just Netflix ads here. It's not just Hulu ads here. It's also going to the free ad supported uh, uh, streaming services as well. So that is a nice waterfall effect that should only grow in importance moving forward as revenue is the really strong uh, metric these days, not just raw subscriber growth. So AVOD becomes increasingly important to everyone across the digital spectrum. And just going forward, what are you going to be watching for when it comes to this hunt for data that writers and actors are so eager to get from the platforms? When, when we look at the grand scheme of things, we hope that this will continue to evolve to create a more transparent and fully realized data swap between the big, powerful studios that are hoarding all this viewership data and the writers and creatives that are trying to get a little taste of, of how their shows are performing and with them. And I think moving forward, too, in terms of this, this larger uh, context is the kind of fear of AI. Now, they did receive some protections in this agreement. You don't want to kill the heart of the creative community by relying on, on these various tools that, that may have application that ameliorates and, and supplements good old-fashioned creative writing, but it's never going to replace it, in my opinion. That was Brandon Katz of Parrot Analytics. You heard Brandon mention AI, which in addition to viewership data was another major sticking point in the writer's strike. We've linked to an explanation from The Verge on what the new WGA contract with studios includes on that front. They report that AI-generated content won't be allowed as a source when writing or rewriting material. That's considered a victory for Hollywood writers. Read about it on marketplacetech.org. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. Rosie Hughes and Daniel Shin also produce our show. Gary O'Keefe is our engineer. Daisy Palacios is the senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. 
You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.